Uh, we're going to continue in our series called Those People. Uh, and if you're with us last week, we're just basically journeying through Jesus' teaching on how uh, to engage other people in the world because uh, our, our culture tends to say that faith is a private deal. It's just you. You just do you, whatever you believe. You just keep it to yourself. Jesus says, uh-uh. Uh, Matthew 7, he says, look, it's going to have an impact on other people. What you most deeply believe is going to have a big impact on other people. Uh, now, here's what we're going to deal with today. You ready? You ever had that conversation that you dreaded? You know what I'm talking about? That one person in your life that things weren't right with, maybe it was a coworker, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was an old friend. You're gearing up to have that conversation. You're prepared to go talk to them. You got all those jitters going on on the inside because you're like, man, things have not been progressing well leading up to this moment. It's, I don't anticipate that this conversation is going to go well. It's just not good right now. Anybody ever been there? I had a, a number of moments, even as we started this church, uh, where conflict, uh, look, anytime you start something and you're about to go do something big or great or important, like, you better believe you're going to get some backlash, okay? Starting a church from scratch has been one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, and we've experienced more conflict than I'd like to say. Uh, but I've geared up for a number of conflict conversations before, and it's just not easy, especially when you see a trajectory where you're just like, yeah, this is not going to go well. This is not going to be a fun conversation. The big question for us is when you're approaching moments like that, where you know that things are not well and things are not going to go well, what do you do with that? What do you do with those people? What do you do with those circumstances? How do you handle that? That's why we titled this series, Those People. Because my guess is you've got that guy, you've got that gal in your life. And now we got to ask the question, well, what does Jesus teach us about how to deal with people like that? You know, how do you deal with, how do you care for, how do you live with and even learn to love those people? Okay, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to uh, chapter 7 in Matthew. That's where we're going to hang out today. We're going to be particularly in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, building off of what we learned last week. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, there are Bibles in the back. We'd love to even give you that as our gift. You can walk home with it, free gift from us. Um, but here's what we learned last week, okay? <clears throat> Jesus, when it comes to setting the groundwork for dealing with people in this world, he said one line that was definitive, it was clear, it was simple. He just said this. At the beginning of chapter 7, he says, Do not judge. I mean, that's pretty simple. That's what we talked about last week. And basically it was like, all right, everyone can go home now. Uh, that's what Jesus said, just go do it. <laughs> uh, except it wasn't that simple um, because you know, Jesus said, look, it's not good to condemn people. It's not good to go out of the gates and to size people up and then write them off in life because of a simple reason, okay? And he uses the illustration, if you follow with me for a second, in verse 3 in chapter 7. This is, what, this is the illustration that he uses. He goes, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? In other words, you got some dust, like your brother's got some dust in his eye. There's something wrong if you're like me, you don't like something in your eye for very long. It's got to come out. And yet, the way that I'm sizing him up right now is wrong. It's all off because I got a two by four in my eye. Okay? Talk about uncomfortable. Uh, verse four. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And this is the really interesting part. He doesn't just say, first take the plank out of your own eye and then just let him be. Let him mind his own business. What's he say? Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And this is basically what Jesus was teaching us. He's like, look, self-righteous people are rarely self-aware. 
that when you're judging people and you're, you're, most of the time you're not even aware you're doing it. And I was thinking about it this week. It's most likely happening when you're on the road. You know, you're looking at someone who's driving right by you and you're, they're looking at their phone and you're like, how could you? I can't believe you. And then a second later, you're just like, oh, sweet. Do you see that picture my niece just sent me? That's awesome, you know? Or you're like, someone just went by at 90 miles an hour and you're like, you road hog, I can't believe that. And then you're just like 75. Well, it's just five to 10 over. It's not that bad. Self-righteous people are rarely self-aware. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, man, the, the magnifying glass that you're holding up to someone else's life in judging them, sizing them up, and writing them off, make sure that you're pointing that at you first. In fact, until you start seeing your sin before God as worse, way worse, than the person that you're seeing some dirt in, you'll never be able to love them the way Jesus did. He said, your sin has got to look so big in your eyes and in your heart before you can ever even think about helping someone out with the dirt in their eye. Because you got a log in your eye, bro. That's not good. Now, the reality is for some of us, and we, we talked about this last week, uh, there's some of us in this room, your go-to is, is to be self-righteous. I don't know what it is about church or religious environments, but I feel like for a lot of us, the gravitational pull is to size people up and write them off. I could give you a laundry list of stories that I personally have encountered and other people that I've known have encountered when they walk into the doors of a church. It, they just feel that way. I don't know what that is. And I, we, we're going to fight tooth and nail against that here at our church. It's not easy. There's some people that's your go-to. For others of us in this room, though, your go-to is to not judge people, to kind of always let people off the hook, be like, man, I'm no better than anyone else. And you never confront them. When in reality, your brother and sister is living a life that is dangerous to them and they need help. Like I said, when you got something in your eye, you don't want that staying there for very long, right? Anybody else, you ever get like a little hair in your eye and it's just like the most annoying thing until you get that thing out? Some people in your life have got a hair in their eye and it's got to come out. They've been, their spending habits and racking up credit card debt is killing them and you refuse to confront them because you just don't love them enough. Some of you need to hear that. There's some people in your life where uh, the way that they treat their husband or the way that they treat their wife is so awful and it's so off, but yet you refuse to confront them because, man, you're just nervous. If I say something, is that going to blow the friendship up? I don't want conflict. Anybody a conflict avoider here in the room? Look, if you're a conflict avoider online, give us some love because there's a lot of us in this room, okay, that are conflict avoiders. Jesus says you will never, ever be able to love people until you first pull, hold up a magnifying glass to your life, find out that your sin is way worse than you ever thought it was, and then actually jump into other people's lives, engage them right where they are, and help them out. Now, that's what we talked about last week. And then Jesus offers this. It's one of the most interesting things I've ever heard of Jesus say, and this week was one that I was really looking forward to because it's so scandalous. And at first, you're like, the meek, mild, wonderful, no judging Jesus comes out saying something like this. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. After he gets done saying all of that, he then says, Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys, but if you grew up with like the lammy over Jesus' shoulder kind of Jesus, 
that's not exactly Lammy Jesus right now. Jesus is calling some people dogs and pigs. Now, for some of you, you got some people in your life that you wish you could call dogs and pigs, and, and your pastor's saying, yeah, go ahead. Next time you got a difficult conversation, just call them a pig, okay? It's right from the Bible, okay? Just kidding. Please don't do that. That would not be a good idea. Okay, but anyway, Jesus is calling some people dogs and pigs, and we got to figure out why did he say that? Why is he saying that? So here's what we're going to learn today. Yes, Jesus wants us to confront people. And we're actually going to look at a, a biblical pattern of confrontation, how we actually deal with people that are driving us crazy. How do we do that? Uh, but there are limits to con confrontation. There's limits to that. This is what we're going to learn today. We can't be condemning, no, but we must be discerning. There's a big difference between, between judging someone in a condemning way and discerning where they are. And then finally, we're going to understand that we can't do this on our own, Okay. So dogs and pigs, what in the world is Jesus talking about when he talks about people as dogs and pigs? Well, we live in the animal-loving world here in America, don't we? You, you love your dogs, you love your cats, right? Uh, Jesus is not talking about the lovable, sweet little cat that you get curled up on your couch right now. He's talking about vagabond dogs that actually wander the streets, uh, kind of mongrel-like dogs um, that kind of scavenge in the dumps in the city. That's what he's talking about. That's kind of the word that he's using here when it comes to dogs. Uh, and then when we understand pigs in the first century, um, first century, this is a Jew speaking to Jews primarily. So when they're talking about pigs, they're talking about an unclean animal. So as much as we love to explain this away as like the nice, neat little, you know, phrase that Jesus uses to, to just be cuddly with people, <laughs> guess again, like Jesus is saying, these are some dangerous people with dirty habits. These are some dangerous people with dirty habits. Pigs got some dirty habits, don't they? Jesus said that there are some people in your life that act more like dangerous animals with dirty habits than human beings. Now, just in case you're wondering, like, man, is this a condemning church? Like, go listen to last week's message. That's not where we're at. But look, some of you in this room, you need permission to, to actually come to grips with the fact that there's some, there's some rough people in your life right now. That's okay. Some people, now, we also have to understand what is sacred and what's the pearls thing. Don't throw what's sacred to dogs and don't give your pearls to pigs. Well, what's sacred and what's pearls? Now, uh, a lot of commentators will actually say that what is sacred might be a reference to the consecrated bread that the priests used to use back in the Old Testament. Uh, it was this, this special bread that would symbolize um, a meeting time between God and us that the priests were supposed to eat. It was a sacred piece of bread that symbolized something sacred, really a special moment with God. And what Jesus is saying here is, if you're looking at vagabond dogs that are just going through the garbage dumps in the city, are you really going to be throwing something that special to them? Do they really know what to do with that? Same thing with pearls. If you're throwing your pearls at pigs, expecting them to do something special with it, I mean, pearls got some value to it, right? If a pig is going to see a pearl, what's it going to do? I mean, it's a pig, right? I don't know. I'm not a pig farmer. Any pig farmers in here? You can probably explain this better than I can. Anyway, this is probably going to try to eat it at first, realize it's not edible, spit it out, and then trample on it. In other words, the dogs and pigs in your life don't know what to do with the special work that God is doing in your life. See, this is my deep belief, that God wants to do something in his gospel, in the power of his good news, so special in your life and through your life into the life of this world that to give your time to some people who are just going to chew it up and spit it out because they don't know what to do with it is actually wasting what God is doing in your life. 
I don't know if you've ever heard that in church before. I don't know if I have. But there are some people in our life that we cannot control and some people in our life that we simply can't save. And we've got to get to the place of owning, man, I can't do anything with this person. Now, how do you get to this place? We have to own this fact. We can't deal with everyone the exact same way. You can't. Depending on who someone is and what they're doing and what their behavior is like, you can't deal with everyone in the exact same manner. Again, there's a difference between judging someone in a condemning way and discernment. And the big question for us is we have to ask, what does this person really need? As we think about loving them and engaging them in their life, what does this person really need from us? Uh, I got a phone call a couple weeks ago. Um, from somebody. Maybe you guys have been here before, um, but I got, I got a phone call from someone who uh, didn't exactly want to have a conversation, you know? Uh, it, was, it was someone who didn't exactly want to ask questions or, or even articulate a little bit of where they were in life. It was a phone call from someone who actually wanted to talk about someone else in this church and just spread dirt on them or get dirt from them uh, from me. And just so you know, as your pastor, I don't play that game. Uh, I'm here to defend you guys I'm not here to play a middleman between anybody's dirt uh, and you, okay? That's just never going to happen. And so I asked him, I said, look, if you want to talk about you uh, or if you want to talk about maybe what God is doing in your life or you got some questions, man, I'm all for it. I'm game. Let's go. Let's, 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 let's journey together. And so at first he thought, okay, great. Uh, I'll ask him a question or two and maybe we can uh, really get to what I want to get to. And so he, he said, okay, pastor, do me this. Why does God let these awful things happen to me? I said, man, that's a great question. And as I was about halfway through the first sentence of trying to uh, answer where he was or at least journey through it, man, he just sailed right into me and just blew things up. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I had to put a pause on it and just say, look, if you really want a conversation, we'll have a conversation. But if you don't want to have a conversation and you just want to spout, I think we're done. It wasn't long before I hung up. There are some people in life that you just can't deal with because of where they're at in that moment. And they're acting. And Jesus isn't saying that there are people in God's eyes that matter to him like dogs and pigs. No, no. Every human being on the planet is precious to God. But there's some people who are acting and their behavior and the patterns of their life right now is acting more like a dangerous and dirty animal than a human being. Now, last week, uh, when we got to the end of this judging others, uh, not judging them, and then getting to a place of actually confronting them to help them in life, we identified uh, three different uh, groups of people. You guys remember this? Uh, we identified primarily three different camps. Um, when, when, it think, when you think about being self-righteous and just condemning others, sizing them up, writing them off, there's one camp that that's where you are. Like, that's your go-to. And we said, your action item is to repent. <laughs> you just got to change your mind and act a little bit different. The second one was uh, you don't size people up, you don't, but you don't confront them either. You don't love them enough to get into their life. And that's where maybe a, a vast majority of us also raised our hand at the end of the, the message because we're like, man, that's where, I'm, that's where I'm at. And then the last group was really uh, you've been confronted, but you just refuse to listen. So here's, here's what I want to do today. For those of us who don't size people up, but you refuse to confront people right where they are, I wanted to give you one more biblical foundation for biblical confrontation before we get into how do we deal with the dogs and the pigs uh, in our life, okay? So really briefly, we're going to jump over to Matthew 18, starting in verse 15. Jesus lays out this awesome, awesome 
<clears throat> guideline for actually how to deal with people that are really driving you crazy. Has anyone ever driven you crazy in life before? Be honest, please. <laughs> Everyone's kind of like, mm. maybe it's like people in this room right now, okay? <laughs> Look, it's okay to be honest in this room. We're okay. Um, this is what Jesus said when it comes to actually dealing with people that are driving you crazy, okay? This is so important because this is going to then fuel us for how we deal with the dogs and pigs in our life. Uh, in verse 15 in chapter 18, this is what he says. If your brother or sister sins, and you can even say sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen, you've won them over. This is so huge. Guys, if you get conflict management, this is like conflict management 101. Notice what Jesus didn't say on this one. Jesus didn't say, man, when someone's driving you crazy or someone hurts you or someone wrongs you, uh, go talk about it with all your brothers and your sisters and all your friends. Make sure you process it out loud with them so that you better understand what's going on. Make sure you send a text thread throughout the church or you blog about it or tweet about it first before confronting them. No, no. What did he say? Go to that person right away, just between the two of you. If you love the person that has wronged you, you're going to go to them first. And you're not going to spread it around to anybody else. Jesus said, you want to nip conflict in the bud? Go deal with that person directly one-on-one. -on -one. Why? you got to read 1 Corinthians 13, but uh, in this in, the, in a section that we usually reserve for weddings, uh, right at the end of it, it says, this is what love does, ready? Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. In other words, love kills gossip. And it deals with conflict one-on-one -on -one because it always hopes, always protects, always trusts, always perseveres. That's what love does. Man, I'm telling you, if just we as a church, if we got that, and we live that out in our workplace and in our family and in our church body, it's unbelievable how many headaches we could save. <laughs> Go to that person one-on-one -on -one first. First. Uh, liter literally, uh, I had this happen to me one time. Um, <laughs> I, had, uh, I had someone message me and say, hey, um, you want to have some breakfast with me and a couple of the guys? And I was like, man, that sounds awesome. And so on a Saturday morning, uh, there's a bunch of guys that just, you know, came out to breakfast and I showed up at breakfast. And then about 10 minutes into the breakfast, I realized it wasn't supposed to be just a hangout. Uh, they were trying to confront me on something. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's nothing like feeling bait and switched. You know what I'm saying? You ever felt that before where people are like, hey, come on, let's just have a great time. And then like behind closed doors, you're like, okay, this is an interrogation moment. You ready? Have you ever been there? I mean, tell me how loving that feels. Now, some of the stuff that they shared with me was stuff that I needed to hear. But the pathway to get there wasn't exactly the most loving. I'm telling you right now, if you go one-on-one -on -one with somebody, you will save a world of hurt. But we avoid confrontation. Uh, I had, uh, you know, one old pastor, a couple of pastors say this. When you approach conflict, correct somebody, not as a foe or an enemy or an adversary, uh, exacting a penalty on them, but as a physician providing medicine. Man, if someone sinned against you, man, they're not right in that moment. Care for them. Have compassion for them and meet them in that place. Or one pastor said, as a loving brother anxious to rescue and restore. And the big lesson here really is this. People aren't the problem. People are always the plan. That's what Jesus wants for all of us. People are not the problem. They're the plan always. Now, it continues though. 
And here's the limit to confrontation. And here's where we start getting into more of the dogs and the pigs. You ready? But, in verse 16, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the, wit- by the testimony of two to three witnesses. So if you confront them and they're like, nah, I didn't do that, you're wrong. And they're denying it, putting it off, you know, whatever it is. Go with a couple other people because this person really needs help. Now, and if he finds it, uh, sorry, wrong verse, uh, 17, um, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the whole church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And here's what Jesus is saying. There's a limit to confrontation. There's some people in your life that no matter how many times you confront them, they're going to continue in those patterns over and over and over. And they're not going to listen, not going to listen, not going to listen. At that point, man, you've got to hand them over to God. God's the only one who can handle that person. Some of you in this room right now, you've got some people that are repeatedly doing things over and over and over again to hurt you. And no matter how many times you've confronted them, they're continuing in that pattern. And I'm telling you right now, if you continue to just give them your time and attention, you are wasting the sacred pearl that God is doing in your life and through you in the lives of other people. You've got to set up some boundaries. That's what Jesus is saying. You cannot deal with everyone the same way. You ever seen um, A Few Good Men? You know, we're at the very end of the movie, Jack Nicholson. Like, you know, Tom Cruise is like, you know, he's confronting Jack Nicholson in the dock. And he's like, I want the truth. And Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. Anyone ever seen that? This is such an awesome movie. I love it. Uh, Anyway, there's some people in your life that legitimately right now, they can't handle the truth. No matter how clearly you articulate it, they can't deal with it. And you've got to hand them over to Jesus. The reality is Jesus didn't deal with people the same way. When you, this is a great case study here. When you look at John 3 and John 4, Jesus interacts with a religious elite person in John 3, and then he interacts with a wayward, incredibly sinful woman in John 4, and the two of them, in Jesus' eyes, are actually no difference, but he deals with them in very different ways because of their background and what they assume about life. In fact, Jesus is always pretty harsh with the religious elite. He's very direct with them in their face, kind of because they should know better. And then with the people who've just been spit up and chewed out in life, like, he's usually pretty merciful and compassionate. You watch what he does to the woman uh, in Samaria who's, who's just got this crazy past. He's gentle with her, and he asks her questions. He doesn't do a lot of talking at first. He asks her questions. Whereas the religious elite person, man, he just kind of like, here's how it is. Jesus never deals with the same person at the same time. At the very end, when he's on trial, he's in front of King Herod, uh, you know, who's, who's I, I think he's a governor at the time. I, you know, I'm totally botching that. Anyway, he's this ruler uh, in, in Rome, and he, he calls Jesus in right before Jesus is going to get crucified. And he says, hey, yeah, come on, bring Jesus in. I'd love to see some signs and wonders. You know what Jesus does? Nothing. He doesn't say anything doesn't perform anything. He's silent. Jesus never deals with everybody the exact same way. And he taught his people to do the same. Jesus said in in Matthew 10, 11, he said, whatever town or village you enter, he's training his people to go share the good news with everybody that they meet. He said, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and say, stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter home, man, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. And if anybody will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. 
Jesus is asking us to be discerning. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and, and as innocent as doves. He advises people, man, shake the dust off your feet for people who are going to reject you. And, and man, the early church in Acts 18, uh, Paul is preaching in Corinth this good news to people. And this is what happens, ready? When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, that's important, when they became abusive, there's some people in your life that are like that. When they became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. There's a limit to your confrontation. Again, there's some people in your life that all they want to do is spit you up and chew you out. And you've got to set some boundaries right now. Right now. Because if you don't set those boundaries... They're going to start entering in your life and starting to rip away the good work that God is doing in your life and in the life that he wants to do in other people as well through you. So the big question, this is the million-dollar question in all of this, is how do you know where someone is? How do you know if someone is really that toxic in your life that you have to get as drastic as that? And we're not talking about everybody in the world. Like for some of you, you're just like... Right. I'm just going to write everybody off. You know, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Like, thank you, pastor. Look, this is an extreme case. Okay. There are not dogs and pigs everywhere out there. For some of you, you're just like, there's dogs and pigs around every corner. Okay. Mm, you know, that's not what Jesus is saying. This is an extreme example. But uh, the big question is, how do we discern that? How do we get to the place where we understand where people are and what they actually need? So here's the litmus test. You ready? The Bible usually breaks people up into one of three categories. And I'm not a big fan of categories because I feel like it kind of boxes people in. I'm not a big fan of that. But I think these three categories are so consistently repeated throughout Scripture that it's helpful for us to at least reflect on. The first one is the wise. The second one is the foolish. And the last one is the evil. Okay? Uh, Now, I'm indebted to Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian psychologist who's uh, written a number of really great books. I highly recommend Necessary Endings uh, as a great book and Boundaries, also a a fantastic book. Uh, But he offers some really great wisdom when it comes to understanding where people are right now. Where are they wise or are they foolish or are they evil people and how do you interact with them, okay? He says the litmus test for understanding all of this is how people respond to the light. What do people do when they see the light? There are some people who, when they see the light, they'll actually adjust their eyes to the light. And there are other people that, when they see the light, they squint and they actually try to turn the light off. And there are other people who, quite frankly, all they want to do is destroy the light. Okay? That's how he recommends it. He said, this is, this is how it starts. Ready? Proverbs 9, 8 says this. Rebuke the wise, light being truth. Share truth with them. Confront them right where they are when they've sinned, when they've, when they've done wrong. Confront a wise person, rebuke a wise person, and they will love you. Rebuke a wise person, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. When you give a wise person truth, what do they do? Man, they change their life. You ever confronted someone, and they were just like, wow, thank you. I really needed to hear that. 
No joke, there was a Sunday, I've talked about this before, there was a Sunday I came in here and our tech team was having a ton of issues back in the sound booth. It wasn't going very well. And here I come, I can be an optimist monster, that's what I say. I like, I love to just be really optimistic about life, but sometimes too positive and I can come out with an optimist monster. So I came in with like 30 minutes to go before the service and they're all like freaking out. Oh, I can't believe this tech stuff isn't working right now. And I'm like, it's okay guys, everything's gonna be awesome. We're, we don't even need this tech stuff. Let's just preach the gospel. You know what I did in that moment? <laughs> Completely dismissed everybody and all the hard work that they were putting into that moment. And I had someone call me up later that afternoon, a good brother here in this church. He called me up and he said, hey man, you know, I know you probably meant well in that moment, but not cool. Because it really hurt a lot of people when you said it the way that you said it. I have never forgotten that. Because that was one of the most loving things he could have ever done to me and to our team. I was thankful for that, really thankful. In fact, when we started this church, um, my wife and I said, we will not start this church if we do not have people who are wiser and stronger and more experienced than us looking into everything that we're doing because we can't do this on our own. I've got a board of pastors that are all around the New England area that have planted churches before and they're wiser and more experienced than me. They've got intimate access into our finances as a church, into our vision and our decision-making here as a church. They've got intimate access even into my personal life and they've asked me some pretty personal private questions and I'm grateful for them. Because they've made me a better pastor and they've strengthened our church as a result. Wise people, when they hear the truth, will change and they'll adjust their eyes to the light. Foolish people, on the other hand, they try to change the light, right? This is how it goes. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Again, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, that we were just looking at this, this is what Jesus said. He said, look, don't give your... Don't give what's sacred to dogs. Don't throw your pearls to pigs or what? They're going to turn around, trample it, and attack you. This is what foolish people do. Don't rebuke mockers or they're going to hate you. They're going to turn on you. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says, The way of fools is right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15, 5, A, a fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. They try to change the light. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've, man, I've seen this play out so many times with people who are walking a foolish life when it comes to finding someone that they're super attracted to. Um, I, I've seen this where they're just like, man, this person's super attractive. I'm just going to follow them. And I'm like, you didn't know that their spending habits are atrocious. Uh, you didn't know that uh, the way that they're doing drugs right now is actually super damaging. Uh, did you know that they don't actually believe what you believe? They're like, oh, no, that's okay. They're fine. You know, it's going to work out. It's going to be fine. I'll just bring them to church. Not going to work. I'm telling you right now, in the emotional romantic sphere, like that never, ever, ever works. I've never seen that happen, okay? But for some of us, man, we're just like, we're dead set on those patterns and those, those rhythms in life where we're just like, no, 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 I'm just going to, I'm going to not heed what other people have to say about this. I'm just going to continue on that path no matter what. I've seen this play out in the business world too. We're like, somebody's not interacting with a coworker very well and they've been corrected on it. And they're just like, that's yeah, not my fault. It's their fault. Like, they're the one that's not doing this. They're not giving me opportunities. They're not doing this, 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 and this. And, like, and they just, over and over and over, they're just pushing it on other people. They refuse to listen to them. And they continue to just be a nag and, a, you know, a drain on everyone else around them. This is what fools do. They don't adjust to the light. They try to dismiss the light. Fools will do this all the time. They'll excuse their behavior. I did it because so-and-so did this to me. They'll minimize their behavior. It's really not that bad, you know. Everyone else is doing it. 
Sometimes they'll even shoot the messenger. If you ever confronted someone and they just start attacking you, <laughs> like, that's what fools do. They'll just shoot the messenger. They externalize it too. They'll say that the problem really isn't them. It's something outside of them. It's the, it's the company. It's the system. It's my parents, you know. They'll just externalize it. And then fools are very divisive too. They have a great way of not only spurning correction and confrontation, but actually trying to divide people right where they are. Those are some of the litmus tests for fools. They do not adjust their eyes to the light. They try to change it. And for some of you, man, you've got to start looking at some of the people in your life right now and wondering, man, are they acting more like a dog and a pig, and do I need to start handing them over to God and setting some hardcore boundaries in my life? Because this is what 2 Peter 2, 2, 2.22 says. Of them, the Proverbs are true. Look at their behavior, guys. Just repeat it, okay? A dog returns to its vomit, and a pig that is washed returns to wallowing in the mud. If they're doing this over and over and over and over again, you've got to set some boundaries. Why? Again, the work that God is doing in and through you in this world is too precious. It's too precious. Set some boundaries. Now, think about it this way. If you're throwing sacred bread to a dog and you're throwing a pearl to a pig, is it the dog's fault or the pig's fault? Whose fault is it? <laughs> think about that. Jesus is doing something great in your life. Are you just going to throw it to them? It's not their fault. Man, they're just dogs and pigs. They just do what dogs and pigs do. He's asking you to correct your behavior by setting some boundaries there, okay? So here's what Dr. Henry Cloud recommends. Just four practical steps, okay, when you're dealing with people that are really difficult. He says, number one, limit your exposure to fools and their problems. There are some people in your life that all they want is just a vast majority of your time, and they're just going to be toxic. You've got to limit your exposure. You've got to set some boundaries on your time. And that's not, that's not not loving them. If you continue to give them everything you have, you're actually enabling them to continue to repeat those bad habits. So number one, limit your exposure. You know, Proverbs says, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. <laughs> that's true. Number two, make it clear about consequences. If you're dealing with people like this, limit your exposure, but then make it very clear about the consequences. Show them the light. Show them that light. Let them know, man, if you continue doing this, this is really what's going to happen. Maybe some of you are, are employers here, and you've got people that work underneath you, and there's some people that are repeatedly not getting their job done and not doing this and not doing that, and they just minimize it, they excuse it, they externalize it. Man, at some point, you're going to kill your company and the vision of your company if you do not try to help them see the light and show them the consequences. And that's so true in your relationships and your family as well. But in that moment, the most loving thing that you can do is tell them, man, if you keep doing this, this is what's going to happen. And the third thing is give them a choice. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? I mean, you pick. Do you want to stay where you are right now and probably not be a part of this for long? Or do you want to change? And the, the, the final thing is follow through. Limit your exposure. Make it clear about consequences. Give them a choice. And then follow through. It's the most loving thing you can possibly do. And here's the good news about fools. You ready? You and I are also fools. And Jesus didn't die for us because we were perfect. It says, while we were yet sinners, 
while we were yet rebellious, while we yet looked at God and said, for all the amazing gifts that God had given us in this beautiful world and a relationship with the God of the universe, and we said, no, thank you. I mean, talk about foolish. In the middle of that foolishness and that rebellion, you know what God did? Man, he sent his son into this world to come die for us, to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be restored beautifully in a loving relationship with him and participate with him in this rescue mission in the world. That's what God did for us while we were yet fools. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus over and over and over again said, man, repent and believe the good news of the gospel. And the good news for fools is if they actually turn and they start adjusting their eyes to the light that they've been rejecting and trying to damage the whole time. God's good news for them is that his best in their life is yet to come. And that's true for every one of us. Maybe there's some fools in the room right now. And the reality is, in all of these three categories, we're probably all three of them <laughs> to a differing degree. Some people just make it uh, their job to be one of them. Uh, the good news is that, man, if you turn to Jesus, his best for you is yet to come. So the final thing that I want to tell you, we won't even get into evil people because really the only decision on an evil person is they want to destroy you. They would just, they want it out for you. They want nothing to do. Like they're, they're literally the person in your company that's like, I'm going to take this company down. <laughs> really the only thing that you can do with them is uh, invest in legal help uh, and get the police involved, okay? That's literally it. Like Titus 3, 10, and 11 says, if people are causing divisions among you, first uh, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. That's the evil person. Have nothing to do with them, Okay. But the last thing for us here is that you can't possibly be that discerning in someone's life who's really damaging you right now. You can't possibly do that on your own. And that's why at the very end here, Jesus says, right after this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus is saying, ask God, man. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for discernment over the people in your life right now. Ask him. Ask him. He's going to give you discernment. And not only is he going to give you discernment, but he's actually going to give you his love for these people. Because when Jesus died for us, when we were still fools, God's love poured out for us. And he's going to do that in your life, even in the most difficult people. Let's pray. Jesus, we need some help. Because there are some difficult people in our life that are going to rule us if we let them. And God, I pray that we wouldn't just avoid them because they're difficult. But I pray that you'd give us the tools and the courage to love them where they need it most. And for some people, God, that we're dealing with, some people just need us to set some hardcore boundaries. And you need to teach us to trust you more with them. And to not act like a savior, like we can somehow control them or change them. But just start praying, God, save them. For some people in our life, God, we've written them off too quickly. And you want us to lovingly confront them in a biblical manner. We've got to go one-on-one -on -one with them and love them right where they are. Tell them that things aren't right right now. And my prayer is that for all of us who need to follow that in obedience today, is that you would give us crazy favor this week for that one person that we need to confront and get right with. I pray, God, that there would be amazing restoration and that the person that we're confronting would not only see the light, but adjust to it 
and that relationships would be healed and restored. Workplaces would get better. Families, God, would be more united and knit together, all for the sake of this rescue mission of what you want to do to reclaim lives in this world. Use us for that purpose, God. Don't let us be, don't let us be idle this week. Let us take a next step in this, God. Challenge us, confront us, and let us be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.